You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. OMG. Bingley is ready. Just had to get a boy cat. Just had to get a boy cat. Okay. All right. Let's take the whole skin off. Yeah. Really, this is a pretty dark episode. It is. A lot of the research was dark. (laughs) Yeah, there was a couple times when it was gross. Okay. So, I'll do it. I'll just start it. Yeah, you got to do the welcome and... Welcome back to the American Dad Podcast. Just like that. That was perfect. Before we begin the podcast this week, we have a very important announcement to make. Do we? We have the money. (laughs) Donnie, do you eat? Will you go there? Donnie. Uh, We received a huge tip from American Dad Podcast superfan. Yeah. Donnie. His Twitter handle is at real no deuces. Okay. AKA just the tip. Or on Instagram at no deuces. All right. No deuces. You sweet, gentle soul. No poops. He knows how to poison a Haitian. (laughs) But thank you so much, and we appreciate you. Mm -hmm. In honor of your generous donation, Paul has agreed to sing you a song. Take it away, Paul. Clamato, clamato, tomato. I don't know. I'm not singing. But thanks for your money. Give that more. That was terrible. Go fuck yourself. Sing a song, Paul, that you made up for this occasion. I want your money. Thank you for giving it to me. Christy doesn't look happy. She'd be more happy with more money. There it is. That's the song for No Deuces. And as for the rest of you trifling bitches, <laughs> the chip jar <laughs> is on the Instagram. Get up in there. <laughs> In some way, it's a, it's a trade-off. You know, if you don't give us money, then we don't have to feel bad about not recording podcasts for long periods of time. No, but no, now no. we've got a certain amount of guilt. Yeah, that's true. It really should be called the guilt jar. Yeah. yeah. Guilt us into continuing to record podcasts. We are not um, terrifyingly driven like some people are. Mm-hmm. We'll or just quit. Yeah. Either guilt us by giving us money or set us free by not giving us anything. I've quit many jobs <laughs> in my life, and I am not afraid to quit this one. Okay. Uh, this week we'll be doing something unprecedented. But, but the person who gave us donation is practically a saint. Yeah. Oh, in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's a holy figure. Mm. He'll be remembered forever. So nice. Yeah. So nice. Are we trying not to mention the specific amount? I want to hug him. Or her. I don't know. Maybe him. no do him then. Try find Donnie. Donnie. I'd say his last name and have to bleep it out. <laughs> but I've never left a twenty dollar tip for anything that wasn't for food. Oh god no. Twenty bucks. You're yeah, kind, kind hearted individual. Right. The the size of this man's heart. And and he's only dwarfed release, by the size of his balls. You've got to think he's got a big whopper. Oh, keep going. Releasing. Did you stop talking about <laughs> our patron's penis for two seconds, Paul? Man, this is part of the gift he gives to us, and we spread the rumor that he's got a big <laughs> whopper. 
Donnie, home of the Wabash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What were we talking about? I don't know. Oh yeah, more people. Oh yeah, we're gonna release. We're gonna release um, an episode that's only for people who've tipped to the tip jar. So yeah, it's very personal. Tip drill. Shallow vows between me and Paul. Bonus episode. Oh yeah, you like it. It's pretty good. It explains. I don't know where we discuss the bullying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Inside jokes. Yeah, booty. For the people who are in the tip jar. Mm. In tip jar club. Tip jar VIPs. Just imagining all this TIPs. <laughs> okay. Uh, you don't get any. This week, huh. we'll be doing something unprecedented on the podcast and something we said we'd never do. Oh, okay. I don't know if we ever I don't said remember that, actually, making any promises. <laughs> anyway, this it. week's episode is <laughs> The Census of the Lambs. Ooh, right? Yeah. Fuck you, season four listeners. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> season 13, episode three. I do think that something that's interesting about doing this episode now okay. is that we can compare how far American Dad has come, what's changed mm-hmm. a lot since season four right and the types of episodes and the type of humor and everything yeah we're doing anything and everything we can to keep interest on our side for this podcast dressing this we're breaking the rules we're not having to go through in sequential order we can do whatever we want yeah now that we've got a little money in our pocket thanks to donnie and his big whopping penis we can do anything we want we make our own hotel (laughs) the power has immediately gone to our heads and we've just gone completely insane we did talk about the episode a little bit. That's that's something else I want to do. All right. We'll have Easter eggs where we talk about an episode that we're going to be doing a little bit. Yeah. And we did talk about this because we talked about um, Jim. Yeah. Which yeah. is Paul's new name for the rest of the episode. Yeah. It's it's upsetting. It was a good criteria if we happen to mention it during the podcast. It must be in the back of our mind. So it must be a good right. or at least somewhat memorable episode. So that makes it more likely that we're going to cover it. And um, if you haven't seen the episode yet, it's on Hulu in America. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, if you're anywhere else, else just, I don't know, find TBS. Yeah. It's the Superstation. That's true. It's on television. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. It's on regular TV. But we all know that where there's a will, there's a way. If you watch TBS for two months straight, you'll, you'll probably it catch it. Yeah. So this episode is uh, a little unusual in that it's about Haley and Stan's relationship. Yeah, it's like and going yet, back to the pilot, really. We like it. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's a, I feel like it's a little similar to I Am the Walrus, where Steve is uh, challenging Stan's dominance okay, in the yeah. house, right? Uh, which incidentally was also co-directed by Tim Parsons and Jennifer Graves. Yeah, Parsons Project. Tim Parsons Project. I don't know. Why are you saying yeah like you know? You I don't, don't know. know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just Okay, you know. well, they co-directed this episode too. So apparently they're super into challenging Stan through the children. What do you think it's about, Paul? I think it's a little part sense. It's a little part Silence of the Lambs. It's pretty cute. The B-plot is that Steve <laughs> and is Klaus's Andy Warhol. Right. And he's gotten an old camera, so he's... For some reason, replicating Ann Getty's photographs with the boys in the basement, which is interesting in that Steve and all of the boys are so willing to put themselves in this creepy situation. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Barry said that he's been photographed in a basement before and had bad experiences with it. 
But um, maybe that's why he's such a natural. He's got experience. Uh, this is actually the second American Dad reference for Ann Geddes. Yeah, I know. Okay, and, there. Hmm. But here's what I was going to say. Let's hear it. This is an episode that's mostly about Haley and Klaus. Wow. And it's really good. So that's, I think, a huge difference between the old episodes and the new ones is that they've really developed, and Tuttle. Yeah, no, they've they got really it. developed those back side or the side characters and tried to figure out like what is it that they're useful for. Yeah, how do we how there's do we get around of, Seth MacFarlane's schedule? There's a lot of season thirteen Haley centric episodes, mm-hmm. and they're good. Yeah. They're good episodes, and I don't think that that was the case in early American Dad that you get a good Haley episode. Yeah, thirteen years later, they've all improved. The voice act is improved, the writers improved, the characters improved. I mean, I don't I don't agree with that. But right. But I at the very least though, the emphasis and the characters that they're exploring are different now. Mm-hmm. It's an evolution, not necessarily a progression. And the evolution is not progressive. The mm. doy Paul. Now. I'm tired of being bullied. And if you want to hear more about the bullying, give us tips. Keep going, Christine. Okay. I'm going to let you do the research, say the things that you have that I also have. Love it. Okay. So go ahead, Tim. Jim. Whatever your name is. <laughs> Jimmy Big Frank. All right. Jimbo. <laughs> Jim Subhumanoid Garment. All right. The first bit of research I have is about Haley's favorite drinks, Clamato's. I'll fix you a Clamato, and we'll figure this out together. Wow, you're really packing away this Clamato. Oh, yeah. We've actually got a Bud Light Chilada Clamato. With the, the original made with Clamato, and Clamato is? Clamato is a mix of clam and tomato juice. In 1940, the Lobster King, Harry Hackney, was granted the Clamato trademark. And While you're saying this, I'm going to go ahead and open up this Clamato, and, and we're going to try some. All right. And the Clamato in its current form was uh, developed by two guys that wanted to create a Manhattan clam chowder-style cocktail. That sounds disgusting. Uh, the whole thing does. But yeah, it's uh, you know combining tomato juice and clam with uh, some spices. Oh, oh Manhattan. no, it's pink. Oh, God, it looks like grapefruit. I know it's not what it tastes like grapefruit juice. That is a weird color. Manhattan no. clam chowder is not a cream-based, it's not a milk-based clam chowder. Oh, it's, a, it's a tomato chowder. Oh, I didn't know that. Seriously? Yeah, it's supposed to be based on Portuguese-type food, which apparently makes tomato-based soups. So in the, according to... Wikipedia in my research mm-hmm. in the 1890s this soup was at the Fulton Fish Market in New York so it's a tomato based clam chowder which to me is not really a chowder if it doesn't it doesn't to me if you say chowder I think milk right but, but it's creamy yeah toma- right. tomato based seems like bisque Seriously, so, the stuff is bubbly and it looks like um, it looks like a grapefruit or like a blood orange soda oh yeah Okay. Why don't you tell me if it but tastes tomato like juice? I would co- I would count the origin of the clamato, mm-hmm. including tomato juice. Mm-hmm. Tomato juice was first served as a beverage, according to Wikipedia. I don't think that this could possibly be true, but 
the guy who's credited with it is Lewis Perrin in Chicago. In Isn't he the Worcestershire guy? He could be. Oh, yeah, he might be. Yeah, that's true. He was a prolific inventor of sauces and beverages. Ooh, that's rough. Oh, you well, you don't like V8. No, it, yeah, and you're right. It tastes like V8. Okay, I'm going to say Ooh. this. It is not bad to oh. me, oh, oh, but yeah. I really like V8. Yeah, I like a little salt in here. Yeah. It doesn't I, really taste like beer. My expectations could not have been lower, and but I, I think yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah, it's like carbonated. Uh. It's a little bit like a Bloody Mary, but oh, God, they're everywhere. There's two cats over here. They're after the clams. <laughs> they, they smell the clams. Get out. Yeah, I can I can get a a tomatoiness and a maybe a little bit of a clamminess out of it. A little bit of a Worcestershire. I mean, Worcestershire is like anchovy. I'm getting almost no beer flavor, which I think is good because I don't know if I would like the combination. Well, it's a Bud Light too. That's interesting. I'm I'm fine with that. I would drink it. Yeah, I, according to Wikipedia, sixty percent of Clamato juice sold is for use in mixed beverages. Yeah, it yeah, seems like a mixer. It seems like basically like almost a, like a Bloody Mary mixer. Right. Yeah, so mixers are basically floating the whole thing. I would like now, though, to drink a Clamato, Clamato, Clamato just, on its own. Yeah, just straight Clamato. Yeah, because it might be like a different V8. Yeah. Speaking of Clamato, Clamato, <laughs> according to my research... We got a lot of Clamato facts. Yeah. Clamato, this podcast is going to be mostly Clamato facts. That really I love how, to us. Um, I love how Haley is just like running with her arms forward <laughs> into the house. I have some ancient Clamatos I've been saving. Oh, yeah. When she said I have some ancient Clamatos or whatever, I wasn't sure if it's because people bought them but never drank them or if it was because they were no longer in print and that was why mm, <laughs> she was excited. I was about so it. excited. They're rare. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why Haley likes Clamato so much. And also, isn't she a vegetarian? She's a liar is what she is. I don't know what the hell she is from one episode well, I think to the that other. In these later seasons, she says that she's not a vegetarian after she works at the sub shop. Oh, I have one more question about Clamato, which is how did the pit people hear Phyllis singing Clamato Clamato, but not hear Ice tea kicking Phyllis to death? I kicked her to death. Because the door kicker. is not on the basement, basically. I got another question. Uh-oh. How is her house connected to this house on the hill? I have a theory about that, but mm -hmm. let me get to this Clamato research before I go crazy. Okay, so important things first, Clamato research. Yeah. Okay, so the Let's Take the Whole Skin Off song. Clamato, Clamato, let's take the whole skin off. Clamato. No, don't sing it. Let's take the whole skin off. <laughs> um, is based on the song Let's Call the Whole Thing Off. All right. From the Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers 1937 film, Shall We Dance? Mm. I'm sure you've seen the Richard Gere version. I have seen the Richard Gere. That's <sighs> a TBS classic. Oh, wait, no, I haven't seen the Richard Gere version. What? I, I was thinking about the Antonio Banderas teaches inner city school kids to dance. And was I'm that like, Shall We Dance? No, that was Take the Lead. I never okay, saw Okay, shut up then. Him and J-Lo. To tie this uh, into a sort of Silence of the Lammy type thing, 
the whole the 1937 shall we dance film okay um at the end of the movie spoiler alert ginger rogers arrives at uh fred astaire's new show to serve him divorce papers Mm. things have happened they're getting divorced and sees him dancing with dozens of women all of whom are wearing masks with her face on them oh creepy He's decided if he cannot dance with her, he'll do this much creepier version of it. Whoa. And then seeing that he truly loves her, she happily joins him on stage. No, no, Ginger. Ginger Rogers is a delight. Oh, It's boy. like their seventh film no, she together. She was charmed by his creepiness. You know what we should do? Tell me. Before we die. Uh-oh. Learn to dance? Uh, no. Thank God. Yeah, you couldn't dance if you wanted to. You'd be like, um, what's his name? Lamar Odom on <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Like Frankenstein learning yeah. to dance. <laughs> Just the slowest moving, wailing, <laughs> flailing, wacky arm tube man. Brains. No, we should watch all of the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies, because apparently they did a shit ton together. Totally fine. Okay, now, on to the subject. Now, what we're talking about here Clamatos. is Stan and uh, Haley meet up. Mm-hmm. She's just gotten out from talking to Phyllis, the old lady, the old Skinner. Right. Um, and Stan realizes that Haley's ahead of him, so he sprints to the creepy house. Oh, yeah, takes off. I spent all morning at one house. <laughs> no surprise. My slug of a daughter slowly sliming her way around town. Where? Don't touch salt. I met a nice woman named Phyllis who gave me 20 other houses. Inside of that house, she is already standing there uh, when he opens the door. Yeah, shovel at the ready. <laughs> I'm gonna count a bunch of motherfuckers in here. Yeah, shovels him in the face, tries to drag him in. His jaw is like stuck on the door because it's enormous, and then she shovels him again. Stan Smith, census enumerator, prepare to be counted. <laughs> Okay, I have a theory. You ready? Let's hear the theory. My theory about Jim, this is related. Oh, God. Is that Jim is like a Norman Bates, psycho-style mm-hmm. son of Phyllis. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Jim who's at the spooky house when Stan gets clobbered with a shovel. Mm. Phyllis was just with Haley. Stan runs to the old house, so it seems unlikely that Phyllis would have had time to make it over there. Or have known, you know, like, oh, Stan is running over there, so I'm going to beat him there somehow. Uh, Jim is only at the census to keep an eye on things for his mother because there's so many missing people that he doesn't, like, they don't want to lead people to realize that there's a pattern. It does seem like Jim should have been tied back in all this. Yeah. And then he's... There, he's also happy to get revenge on Stan for humiliating him. <laughs> no count, Jim. Jim equals subhuman garbage. Prepare to be counted. Stan's instincts about Jim are correct. You better go tell the other bog people there's a new king of the creeps in town, eh? Jimbo! <laughs> Here's an alternate theory. Oh, there's more. Jim was one of the husbands who was meant to be killed. You should be dead, Jim. Hmm. And that's why Stan says you should be dead, Jim. <laughs> Um, but Phyllis brainwashed him and s- spared his life in exchange for him helping her abduct men around town because a lot of guys, a lot of adult men have gone missing. Yeah, and she's and They a- didn't all come deliver pizza to this old house where she hit them with a shovel. 
So mm-hmm. I think Jim has been. Um, yeah, she needs a henchman. She's a frail old woman. Yeah. She's, he's been the one who's uh, abducting people. And I think Joanne Graves, who is the last woman who Haley visits with blonde hair oh, okay, and yeah. glasses. And she's like, ah. ah. Did your husband leave you? Yes, why? Do you know something? Have you heard from him? Sorry, I can't talk. I have to go put a pin in a map. She's high strung because she's seen Jim around town. <laughs> her, her, her missing husband, like, abducting people. Right. And she's like, what did you find out? So yeah. that's Love how it. Jim ties back in. Mm. I mean, a, a less complicated and less interesting theory <laughs> could be that there's a tunnel between the houses underneath. Yeah. 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 Tunnel system always helps. But still, that's a fast moving lady. Yeah. She would have to be quite fast. But she can really clobber people with a shovel. Oh, and no. also that other hat belongs to Jim. Phyllis, didn't you say you were the only one living here? That's right. Then why do you have two hats on your coat rack? Mm. Even though they both seem yeah, to be women's they are hats. <laughs> I can't have two hats. I can't have two hats. I can't have two hats. But just the way that Haley says those lines there is really weird. Yeah. Hey, fellas, why do you have two hats? You know, like she's, it's really, ah. Uh, why do you have two hats? Why do you have two hats on your coat rack? Uh, <laughs> They're giving her more lines than ever. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> she breaks into different accents. It's fine. But I do have a reason why Ice T's kicking her to death was so silent. Okay. Ice T is a former U.S. Army Ranger. What? Right. Yeah. Ice T was in the military for like from like 79 to 81 or something. Yeah. Something Let's- about him. Use that to segue into, at the beginning of the episode, we establish the theme of the episode is that there's a law and order convention going (laughs) on in Langley, and not many people attending. There are still plenty of parking spaces available (laughs) Um, right in front of the convention, although it does seem like they're letting out, so. Yeah. Apparently seems like there's... The whole family is crazy about law and order. Oh, yeah. That's like their whole thing. They dress up. Steve's dressed as Dennis Farina. With I think that's my favorite. The outfit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that Roger didn't go, though. Oh, yeah, that's... But I guess he's, like, doing his shut-in character, maybe, already. I don't know. Yeah. That guy voiced by, uh, Kochner. Kechner? Ketchner? David Ketchner, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, that's really all I know about that guy. Who? Uh, the... Oh, No. Not the shut-in, but like the uh, Roy, Mississippi, or whatever the hell his name is, Jim, Kentucky. My name is Wilbur, Kentucky. Roger. I wanted his name to be Leroy. It's Wilbur. Wilbur. Kentucky. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's my theory about Wilbur, Kentucky. Okay. Wilbur, Kentucky. Um, I don't think it's Roger. Mm-hmm. Because he does have a nose. Right. Um, and it's not like a obviously fake nose like, Kevin what do you Bacon. call it? And then also Roger has been accounted for in the sense that he is sitting in a corner eating snacks and punching himself in the dick. 
What's weird is that I've been rocking in the corner for six hours and no one said a word to me. Well, when we try to talk to you, you just start screaming and punching yourself in the... But did Roger have a human-alien hybrid with a woman in town? Yes. When her husband left. Yeah, those are like... I do feel like there's got to be a reason he looks so much like Roger. Yeah. There's a detail of the census that I don't think they mentioned in the episode that mm-hmm. the only reason that people go to people's houses for the census is for people who don't send in the letter. Oh, mm, that's neat. So you just most people just send back and yeah, say, I was like, why do you have people. both? Well, I think it's all the people who basically didn't send the letter back. Right. They physically go to their address and ask. How many people live here? Me and my mom. So two. My dad. Three. Died. Two. You wasted my time a little bit. You know what this reminds me of, though, is one of the best SNL sketches. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken and... Tim Meadows? Yeah, it's Tim Meadows, right? Yeah. Tim Meadows is the census taker. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Christopher Walken lives in a house full of... Not all, not people. No. Objects. I think yeah. he says candy bars. <laughs> yeah, plants, candy bars. <laughs> There's like a mountain lion in there. It's easy to mix that up with the plants, the googly eye plants guy. It's a very oh, yeah. similar. Christopher Walken has some of the best SNL sketches of all time. Look up Christopher Walken census on YouTube. For more census related humor. Yeah. yeah. Appetite is wet. Ugh. Wet. Do you know how to spell wet? Wet? Mm-hmm. W-E-T? Like your appetite is wet. Oh, that's like W-H-E-T. Good for you, Paul. Right? Smart. Mm. Mm-mm. Well. <laughs> Stan, are you being mean to me right now? I don't know, Francine. That's not for me to judge. Okay, I got one more thing about Ice-T before you go into probably your Law & Order information. Yeah, I don't have a lot of Law & Order. Keep going. Okay, so Ice-T sends Haley an interesting shark text, and that's how he knows to come and find her. Mm-hmm. I got worried when you didn't respond to an interesting text I sent you about sharks. Here is an example of an interesting shark text to send to your friends. Oh, my God. Hammerhead sharks have a 360-degree field of vision. Whoa. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. Because the eyes are so far out. Yeah. Fully 360? Yeah, 360. No, there's no way. Their eyes are like this. Gestures. Like each one of them has like a 180. Although. It does seem like there would be at least a couple of degrees like immediately behind it that it wouldn't be able to get. But near at least 360, I'll accept. Ah! mm -hmm. Damn it, cat. Okay, go ahead, Paul. Uh, but I drink yeah. my Clamato. Another thing about Ice-T is, and I think they mentioned it, like his uh, most famous song is called Cop Killer. I just got to say, Cop Killer is my absolutely favorite song. It got me through boarding school. Boarding school is corny. Which is weird that he's played a cop for like 20 years on Law & Order. Okay, 10 sips into this thing, it's starting to turn on me. There it is. Ugh. The clams, they don't keep forever. But a, uh, a quote he has about the cop killer song is like when there was so much controversy going around about it is, I ain't never killed no cop. I felt like it a lot of times, but I never did it. If you believe that I'm a cop killer, you believe David Bowie is an astronaut. <laughs> okay, so he's saying that his it's a persona. artistic persona 
Yeah. It's a persona. It's that of a cop killer. I'm the type of person who kills cops. Cop killer. <laughs> yeah, he's like, um, he's embodying the... Oh, it's a blimp outside. I was like, what oh, the it, hell is in the... It it's the a Goodyear? sky whale. Uh, Law and Order, created by Dick Wolf. Pretty much the longest running show on TV other than Gunsmoke. And Dick Wolf... Uh, Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf was a college classmate of George Bush. Interesting. Oh, yeah. And is he still alive and active? Yeah. Like, he, this man knows how to make some crime shows. Like, he did the Law and Order stuff, and then when that started losing favor, now he's making all those Chicago shows. Chicago PD, Chicago Law, Chicago Sanitation, all sorts of things. That's fascinating. Is it? Or are you lying? Francine would probably want to know this. Don't touch me. Dick Wolf. Yeah, fuck it. I'm a dick wolf. <laughs> oh, but th- yeah, that does tie back into conventions. While there's been no law and order convention, he did try to start a convention for all his Chicago shows, but mm. uh, it got canceled. <laughs> didn't work out for him. What's crazy to me, though, like there was a YouTuber who had a convention. Or, I don't know. She's on MTV or something. I don't keep up. Mm. She's like some hot teen or whatever, and she had a convention that was just for her. You have conventions for everything, but there's no fucking law and order fest? Yeah. Yeah. And... Just a shit ton of people showed up, and she was not ready to handle it. Oh, God. So it was kind of like her own little mini fire scandal. Oh, that's perfect. Right? But I think that the thing is, the people who watch Law & Order and these crime procedural dramas kind of skew older, and mm-hmm. they're not the types that are going to go to a convention. That's true. No, Conventions are for the younger people. Young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah. The old yeah. people, they need people to wash their cars on the enthusiasm weekend. Enthusiasm exceeds, you know whatever threshold to go and drive to a stupid convention okay what else paul uh on to silence of the lambs which is you know it's what the episode's based on more Mm -hmm. or less uh it's the third movie to win the big five at the oscars won best picture best actor best actress don't care all right it did that uh gene siskel gave it a thumbs down and jodie foster made sure that the director uh, didn't embarrass the FBI in the movie because the FBI had just successfully handled some death threats that Jodie Foster had gotten. So she wanted to, you know, be sure that they were respectful. And then on to human skin suits. Mm-hmm. I hated Googling this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Google kept bringing up uh, the serial killer, Ed Gein, Gein however mm-hmm. you pronounce his name. I found my way to some pictures of some of the furniture and clothing he made, and it was disgusting. A pair of skin sunglasses Flies, can't see. Huh? <laughs> was working on a whole skin suit wardrobe, skin blouse, skin slacks, and a pair of skin sunglasses she couldn't even see out of. Flies hell, though. Yeah, I don't get into the whole serial killer culture and stuff, and that's it's gross. So there was a real guy who made real furniture out of human skin. Yeah, like, you know, lamp posts and shit. Not posts, but like, a, you know, a little indoor shade. lamp shade that... She's going to turn my nipples into buttons. Ed Gein seems to, uh, he's been a big inspiration on serial killer movies. Chain, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Buffalo Bill. and I'd never heard of him. Hmm. I was looking up because Kevin from The Pit... Sounds like a guy. Dying in a pit with a really annoying guy. Named Kevin. 
Uh, says that he was abducted and held hostage in a beautiful house in Madison, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So I searched whether or not any notable kidnappings had happened there. A big one has happened in Madison, Indiana. I was imprisoned in Madison, Indiana once. Beautiful craftsman, huge porch. Of course, I wasn't allowed up on the porch, but I saw it when I was carried out in a blanket. Well, as far as I can see, no, not in the, like, they held them in their house captive type of thing. Mm -hmm. But there was a horrific incident in 1992. Right? It's gross. I read that whole thing. I was like, I'm not going to get any of the research done because this is an engrossing Wikipedia article. Yeah. I'm like, where's the movie for this? There have been things. But um, four teenage girls between the ages of 15 and 17 abducted, tortured, and burned to death a 12-year-old girl. But the girls burned a girl. Yeah. Yeah. The main perpetrator was uh, jealous that the 12-year-old Shanda Cher had, or Shonda Cher, had stolen her girlfriend. So a 12-year-old stole a 15-year-old's girlfriend somehow. Not really stole, but they broke up and the yeah. other she started dating this 12-year-old, which is also weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just began publicly declaring that she was going to kill this girl. She even wrote notes that was like, I'm going to kill her to the um, ex-girlfriend. And the girlfriend tried to take like the notes to somebody who did mm. nothing about it, basically. The They're going to take this kind of this pre-Columbine world. Yeah. But also it's girls, I guess. So it's probably considered a little bit unusual. This girl would not die, though. One night, the four girls drove to Shara's house and told her that the girlfriend was waiting for her at these old ruins and got her to agree to come out with them like around midnight. And Loveless is the main girl who had a problem with her, Mm -hmm. was waiting in the back seat with a knife. They took her to an abandoned witch's castle. It was just the ruins or whatever. Tied her up and taunted and threatened her. And then they took her to a garbage dump in a forest, beat her while she was naked, kneed her in the face, stabbed her in the chest after they found out that the knife was too dull to slash her throat. And then they strangled her with a rope and put her in the trunk of the car, assuming she was dead. And they went back to one of the girls' houses to clean up and then heard her screaming in the trunk. So one of them went out and stabbed her several more times with a paring knife. And then they went out driving, uh, but they could still hear her in the trunk of the car. So they stopped. And when they opened the trunk, she sat up covered in blood with her eyes rolled back in her head, but she was unable to speak. Mm. One of the girls beat her with a tire iron until she was silent and then told Loveless to smell it, which is gross. They drove to the burn pile to a burn pile where they opened the trunk to stare at her. And then one of the girls sprayed her with Windex and was like, you're not looking so hot now, are you? Jesus. They eventually took her to a field, poured gasoline on her and lit her on fire. Um, but she was still alive like at this point, like when they took her out to the field. Right. And I think because she had been alive for so much of this, mm-hmm. the girl who was the main person did it was like, she's not dead. And went out, poured the rest of the gasoline, and did it again. Yeah. The girls then proceeded to brag about the murder to their friends and to the, including the girlfriend who this had been Mm -hmm. all about. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, the next day, the two girls, there were two girls who were not as involved, basically, and did not expect things to escalate the way they did, were at the police station in hysterics, confessing everything. And then all of the girls signed plea bargains with... Loveless, who's the main one, getting 60 years. But her home life was so fucked up that they were more lenient on her, and all the girls have been released on parole. But most recently, 
Loveless on September 5th. Yeah, probably not two 2019. Weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the murder was the basis of an episode called Mean from the fifth season of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Mm. I probably should have noticed that. <laughs> oh, the tie in. Damn it. Okay. Also, Ann Gettys previously took the CIA staff photo in Office Spaceman where the guys from the CIA are all dressed up as flowers and pots. <laughs> you snooze, you lose, bitch. I already told you that she was... Oh, you told me to shut up. Okay, yeah. Damn it. Klaus, why are we dressed like flowers? Because you're in a flower pot, baby! Okay. We, we can talk about Klaus and his side story. Yeah, are we getting into Ann Gettys now? Slash Andy Warhol. Yeah. So I just Googled Ann Gettys and what's the camera brand? Hasselblad. My uncle died and left me his Hasselblad camera. Camera. Mm. All right. So apparently that is the type of camera that she used and that she, according to her autobiography, Labor of Love, <laughs> she said that she bought a Hasselblad camera secondhand and that was mm. what she started with. Shit. Oh, so maybe that's what Klaus had actually done. Got a second-hand Yeah, just right. got a second-hand camera trying to his retrace. story doesn't... I mean, how, how, could his, how does he even know his family anymore? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Mm. So possibly it's made up. Yeah. Klaus, you're making me turn shy. Klaus, you're making me turn shy. I'm just trying to pass through the living room. Just trying to walk through the living room. <laughs> but I think that this whole plot is based on the fact that uh, she's been outspoken about copyright infringement. I smell copyright infringement. Mm. With the professional photographers of America, she has like some videos and she's made some statements about how copyright is a problem for photographers and people, you know, like their work is used without their permission and stuff like that. Well, that mm. kind of ties into the Andy Warhol thing because Andy Warhol. <laughs> He made a flower screen oh, print that mm. was based on a photograph by Patricia Caulfield that he found in an old issue of Modern Photography, and he she filed a lawsuit. He settled. Oh, okay. All right, that's a pretty good tie-in. He copyright infringed a photographer. Yeah, and mm. now on to Paul for something that doesn't tie in at all. Doesn't tie in at all. He was shot by a woman named Valerie Solanis, who was the founder and only member of SCUM, the Society for Cutting Up Men. I'm glad that society went away. <laughs> and you know another quick thing about Ann Geddes is uh, there's a reference to her in the office where Andy and Angela are taking pictures of Astrid around the... vegetables and like cabbage leaves and shit uh -huh. and also the Jazz Babies poster oh yeah which Toby gives to Angela as a gift oh, that's disgusting and then Oscar says he goes like on, on a diatribe against the poster and he's like it it destroys all art <laughs> Okay, I have some stuff, some connections between Andy Warhol and Klaus. Love it. Andy Warhol started creating a series of abstract paintings in 1977 called The Oxidations. He used copper paint, which he oxidized with urine, uh. to create unique co uh, colors and textures. He cr encouraged his friends to pee on the canvases, which, because each person's diet and vitamin intake was different, created unique variations of green, brown, and yellow. One of the paintings sold for $2 million in 2008. Why? This is similar to how Klaus has the whole family spit and pee on him in Klaus-tastrophe TV, Ugh. that episode. Which also ends in a pit. When he falls down in his own pit. 
and that he's dug in the living room for the family okay. um, to punish them, and he breaks his own ball. <laughs> he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't mean to. Obviously, he falls in the pit and breaks the bowl, and then he needs water. So they all pee on him. I would not want to spend then they put it on YouTube. $2 million on a piss painting. I uh, just can't do it. Some people have too much money. Another comparison to Klaus could be drawn from a description of Andy Warhol that Truman Capote gave about meeting him uh, before Andy Warhol was famous. He was just like, Truman Capote was saying that he's basically like a stalker of him. Okay. Like Truman Capote stalked Andy Warhol? No. Okay. Truman All Capote was already famous. All right. Andy Warhol was like obsessed with him. And so he met him. Okay. And then he described Warhol as, quote, one of those hopeless people that you just know nothing's ever going to happen to. <laughs> just a hopeless born loser. The loneliest, most friendless person I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, that's awesome. Caddy. What a caddy bitch. But also very similar to Klaus. Yeah. Yeah. That could you be used to describe Klaus. Okay. Uh, Jürgen? <laughs> Jürgen. Jürgen, protect me! will go on to betray Klaus by hooking up with Danuta <laughs> on the Gravitron ride in the Sharks episode. Oh, yeah, he would. And then also Klaus will pretend to hunt Slenderman with Jürgen to get away from Steve and Wild Women do. <laughs> I think that's about it. Yeah, like, I looked at the thing about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and God, I want to watch that movie now. Whoa, Sidney Poitier? Guess Who's Counting Two Dinners? <laughs> Francine? Did you hear that one? I heard Stan. The attic loved it. It seems interesting. It kind of reminds me of Get Out a little bit. Oh, I got some stuff about the crank stuff, like, you know, Franklin Bash, but none of it's all that good. So, yeah, that could be it. Uh, I like that Haley's, Haley's crank exchange was a highlight. Yeah. I'm the one who's going to crank numbers. You're not going to crank shit, old man. Old man. Ho, ho, ho. I'm going to crank all sorts of numbers. Yeah. I'm going to crank your whole world. I'm going to crank it up. I'm going to crank it down. I'm going to crank it all around. I'm going to roast you for Cranksgiving dinner and then roll right into Christmas with the cranks. Not going to matter because I'm the New York Crankies. I'm Crank Air. I'm Crank Azaria. I'm Cranklin and Bash. Franklin and Bash was canceled. That's disappointing. I know. I really liked it. As was her spending time with the people who count line at the end. All that time we spent counting people, we should have spent with the people that count. Yeah, the emotional ending or whatever. Yeah. I don't like emotional ending. Do you remember it at all? I don't remember the line at all. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to... Instead of spending time counting people, we should have been spending time with the people who count. Damn, that's poetic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Don't remember the line. Yeah. You. Me. You. And then also, I like that they, in this... These newer seasons, they're using Tuttle as a guy who's lonely, so he's involved in, like, every community <laughs> activity that you can think of. It's me, Tuttle. Get this! I'm the foreman! That means I'm in charge! Me! Tuttle! Yeah. He's a very involved community member. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, and apparently he juiced an entire city block. Oh, God, guys. But here's a little piece of advice I wish someone had given me. Tuttle! Before I juiced an entire city block, do not fall in love. I don't know what that means exactly. You know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> what it means, Barracuda, baby. <laughs> Barracuda, baby. Now bite me like the scary fish you are. 
Oh yeah, we really haven't talked about Roger's amazing. Oh, it's perfect. Shut in character with his like his little sandals. How's my eye contact? <laughs> Hello. My doctor recommended I volunteer to get over my crippling social anxiety. How's my eye contact? I like that when he's entering the scene, <laughs> you don't see him open the door. The door is just like slowly <laughs> drifting open. It contributes nothing plot-wise to the episode, but it's just a funny costume. <laughs> yeah, so important. It's just a great, um, yeah, it's just great. There's someone at your door, Mr. Tavarelli. But I don't know who it is. Maybe look who it is. It's a girl. I'm going to slide some taffy through the doggy door. But I guess there's no finding those husbands. They're just dead now. Yeah, just skin suits. Yeah, Kevin's still down there. They could have saved him, but he's, he's going to die. Yeah. yeah. Dead Kevin. Don't you realize when you're at the bottom of a pit, there's nowhere to go except for the punishment shed, but up! Maybe Haley will come back and help him. But he'll just find his way into another hostage or like um, captive situation. Yeah, he'll just walk right into another basement. Oh, you could com- you could say that that woman, the feminist who killed Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. she was also in one of his movies. Oh, okay. But she was like, "Oh, you're exerting too much power over me. I have to kill you." Ugh. And then oh, so he- she killed him. No, when no, she she shot him and he fought for his life for like two months. But then later he had a complication, like a heart attack, basically from a gallbladder surgery, and it could have been related. Oh shit! Okay. Um, but she was like radical feminist. We need to get rid of the men, mm-hmm. and oh, that God. kind of is a tie-in to the episode. The feminists are here. you weird? I don't think a woman could fly a plane. I mean, keep going. Um, because Phyllis is killing a bunch of men. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would. Okay. You. I was thrown off by the chopper landing in our backyard. Hmm. Every day. Oh, a raven. Okay. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> and and um, for donating. I'm going to go ahead and preemptively. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, for, thank you for the generous tip. <laughs> Once again, at... No deuces or on Twitter at No deuces. Real no deuces. Oh, okay then. Right? Yeah, because there's a lot of counterfeit no deuces out there trying to take his name. And here's a tip for all of you. Don't try Clamato juice. It's yeah, just real warm, no deuces. Carbonated clams in my stomach right now and I don't feel great. Yeah, I, w- I don't think I would have any more of this chilada. Mm-mm. And don't regret it. It's a okay. Delicious mixture of old seafood and beer. Mm-hmm. Gonna love it. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. We did it. We'll do another episode, maybe. Bye. I'm gonna count so many more people than you. Please. You couldn't even count as many as this lobotomized half-wit Jim here. Jim, can you believe what I have to deal with here? Jim, I've been calling you Jim. Is that is that your name, Jim? This guy? Look at her! Him? And I hate to do this, but I gotta double back to my boy! So what are you, what are you, like a rain man, shy guy, some kind of lovely bones? Or are you just giving Jim here a run for his money for troglodyte of the year? <laughs> you better go tell the other bog people there's a new king of the creeps in town, eh? Jimbo! <laughs> Initiate people counting robot. No count Jim. Jim equals subhuman garbage. Lighten up Jim. Just a robot joke. You should be dead, Jim.